0: Hello and welcome. This is Tim Hyder, and you are listening to Living Digital, a Schlumberger DI podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about well integrity and just how important that is for successful and safe operation in the oil and gas industry. The expert we have joining us today is Simon Copping, well integrity champion at Well Barrier. So, Simon, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. So give us a little bit about your background before we get off into the main subject of the interview.
1: I'm a software developer at heart. I remember when I was a kid, my mum and dad bought me a ZX Spectrum for people who can remember the ZX Spectrum. And uh, I was maybe eight or nine years old at the time. And I remember thinking, wow. I can take over the world with this and i remember you, you used to get magazines where you could type in code and the computer would do something and i just remember just the amazement of making the computer do things i thought wow this is it this is what i want to do as a as an eight-year-old so i, I was always had i suppose dreams to become a, a get into computing and programming so I, I kind of went into uh computer science at university and i went to robert gordon's university here in in aberdeen and and it was computer science that i studied and there was a like uh, the curriculum had a, a placement year, so you could actually go into into the industry for the third year, and that's what got me into the oil and gas industry. And then I graduated and uh, started doing IT support to begin with, but then quickly gravitated towards you know programming because that's really what I wanted to do. And it was about twenty years ago. Uh, twenty years ago, man you mentioned
0: the zx spectrum of all things so that ages both of us we both remember the whirring of the tape drive etc so
1: yeah, do you remember how long it used to take for those tapes to load it was like four and do you remember the screeching noise when it loaded as well <laughs> it was like four minutes to load and then sometimes it, it wouldn't load at the end of that so uh yeah anyway that's that's some memories yeah yeah so my, my boss about 20 years ago said uh, uh you know well wh- integrity was you know it's going to be big well it's always been big for decades um but today, oh, maybe we should think about creating a, a well integrity database. And he actually sketched out a picture of a wellhead and a Christmas tree and some completion components on, on a small piece of paper. And he said, just go and make this. I remember thinking, yes, you know, here's me a, a software developer. And my boss has just said, go create. So I remember starting to sketch out what a well integrity management system might look like. It, it was about the same time we were kind of putting together the, the, a prototype. And we showed it to another operator. Uh, here in the the northeast of scotland Uh, we showed it to, to to the operator and they were like wow we were thinking about building something like this internally to manage our well integrity let's work together to develop this this well integrity system so i worked this was at my previous company for about 13 or 14 years on developing the system and taking it into the industry now you know Okay, I'm a, I'm a computer scientist by background, but working so closely with the industry, you work with well-intervention people, well-services people, well-integrity people, and you very quickly understand what are the different elements and requirements to manage well-integrity effectively so we, we developed the software and it got some traction and momentum and then, then you know other operators started seeing it and more and more and more used it and so so I did, I did that for 15 years um and then i had an opportunity to work for another company and then i was actually at um, ons in norway and i heard the founder of well barrier a gentleman called Tora Jorgensen, who was actually one of the co-authors of the Norsop d10 uh, standard and me and torah went out in the Stavanger sunshine had a coffee and, and he said oh would you like to come and work for well Barrier? And I, I'd known about WellBarrier for for a long time. Uh, you know, it's it, it's such a, a wonderful tool in terms of creating illustrations and its illustrative capabilities to, to draw the well. They're really really intuitive. And Tora said, you know, would you like come to come and work for me? and i just remember thinking wow what an opportunity you know it's such a a fantastic tool and to be able to then think about building the well integrity functionality onto well barrier it was like yeah this this is a great opportunity but also with the you know the su- support of the whole slumberger organization i mean slumberger is you know oilfield and digital and it was just like yeah this is a a great opportunity so yeah i joined well barrier about well over 3 years ago now um and uh, we've been building on the well integrity capabilities of well barrier since then so so that's what got me
0: to here So, we're going to be talking today about well integrity. But what exactly does well integrity mean for you? Because the devil's in the detail.
1: There's a number of well integrity standards out there. So, there's the ISO 16530, NORSOC D10, various country specific regulations as well. But if we take ISO 16530, because it's the international standard for well integrity, and the the definition in there, in the standard, is the application of technical, operational, and organizational methods to prevent the uncontrolled flow of fluids at the surface or across the subsurface formations throughout the life cycle of the well. But if we break that down a little bit, it's quite a broad statement. And it it touches on some of the main things. It talks about uncontrolled flow of fluids. It talks about the life cycle of the well. But if you look at that standard, it's actually got well over 100 pages of of text, over 50,000 words. And I thought it would actually be quite cool. And I just did this a few weeks ago, actually, to take all of the text out of the the ISO 16530 standard, and put them into one of these word clouds. What they allow you to do is it it takes all of the words in a piece of text and it counts the frequency with which that word appears in the text, and then it presents it in a a graphical manner. And, And the words which are more predominant appear bigger in the word cloud. So I did that. And actually, you see words in that word cloud like a pressure. The word pressure appears 323 times, risk appears 227 times, integrity is 209 times. Barriers is 177. annuals management is 196. And it's quite interesting because these are the things, if you manage them effectively, then it's going to help you to assure well integrity. So, So well integrity for me is managing all of these things to help prevent an accident.
0: Great. So that's the technical side of things and good that you underlined how many times all of those terms appear, but in layman's terms, what exactly is that?
1: I like analogies. I'm also a big Formula One fan. So I don't know if any of the listeners saw the Bahrain Grand Prix in 2020. And for anybody who remembers it, the cars had just started the race. They were going around the third corner of of the Bahrain racetrack, and I remember watching this on telly. And at the towards the back of the field, one of the cars careered off the track and basically smashed into the barrier. And at the back of the TV screen, there's just massive, massive fireball erupts. And I remember just sitting there thinking, oh, man, that's bad. And you know that you know that sort of sick feeling you get in your tummy when you see something bad and you're just like, this is not going to end well. And it was one of those moments when seconds last for minutes or it seems to last for hours and you're just waiting and, and you're hoping and you're praying. So there's an enormous fireball. And um, it was almost miraculous that the car hit that barrier at something like 160 kilometers an hour. It, it was like 63 G of impact uh, and, and it actually ripped the car in half. And the cockpit of the car was actually Im- embedded into, into the crash barrier. And after 28 seconds, you see the driver emerging from this fireball and he was assisted over the barrier by the fire marshals and he, he went and got medical attention, he had some minor birds, burns on his hands and his feet. And he was smiling to the cameras the next day. And you just think, I don't know if you saw that uh, Tim, but it was a, a big accident.
0: Yeah. I, d- I didn't see it live, but I think probably most people that turn the news on in the next few days would have seen that. And like you said, it was it was a miraculous emergence from the flames.
1: Yeah, and and so actually, I'm kind of digressing there a, a little bit. But you know, how does that relate to to well integrity? Well, if you think about it, all of the barriers and all of the safety measures that needed to be in place were in place. And they all functioned absolutely perfectly on that day. And, uh, you know, the the driver had his fireproof coveralls on, he had his crash helmet on, he had his gloves, his boots on. uh, He had like a head and neck restraint, you know, protecting whiplash on his neck. He had the halo device around the car. He had a fire extinguisher in the car. You know, he was able to get out of there within whatever it was, five seconds. You know, the fire marshals knew what to do. They were there within 10 seconds with the fire extinguisher every single barrier that was meant to save that driver's life was in place it's exactly the same with with well integrity you know when you're working on a well working under pressure you need to ensure that the hydrocarbons are, are, are contained and you do that through your, your tubing and your casing and your packer and your cement and the formation and the tree valves and the wellhead valves but you need to know that they're going to function when they need to and so for me that's in layman's terms kind of what well integrity is about
0: so actually using your analogy, you were saying that those barriers that were there, the mitigating factors that were there to stop fatality in the case of a driver or serious injury, such as the the halo system and the seatbelt, whatever it may be, those were the barriers in that situation. But when we're talking about barriers in terms of well integrity, what do we actually mean?
1: Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll use the definition from the standards, but a well barrier element is a, a physical element, which in itself doesn't prevent flow, but in combination with other well-barrier elements, forms a well-barrier. And a well-barrier envelope is an envelope of one or several barrier elements preventing fluids from flowing unintentionally from the formation into the wellbore or into another formation or to the external environment. So that's the formal definition. But again, I, I kind of like to use analogies. And a barrier envelope is it's almost like if you imagine um, a field full of sheep. And around the sheep and around the field is, is a fence forming a barrier and that's stopping the sheep escaping and, and running onto the road and across the countryside. And it's a little bit the same with, with hydrocarbons. You you want to create a barrier envelope that's going to contain those hydrocarbons within the well. And you'll often hear well integrity people talking about a two-barrier philosophy where we talk about a primary and a secondary barrier, which is really like your first and your second line of defense. So the primary barrier is, is what always sees pressure. So the moment you penetrate the cap rock, you have to try and replace the natural barrier with a man-made barrier. And that's going to be your primary envelope. It's what's, it's what's seeing the pressure. And then what we try and do is put in place a secondary barrier, which is almost a contingency so that if the primary barrier does fail, you have that secondary barrier protecting you. And the beauty of that concept is that if the pressure does escape from the primary barrier, then you've always got that protection behind you. So it's kind of the same with the the formula one analogy. You know, I suppose the, the first line of defense was maybe his seatbelt and this crash helmet protecting the driver. But then there was also the, the halo device on the car itself, or even the fire marshals and so on. So you try and put, make sure you have contingency. So you've always got that protection behind you. And again, if we think back to what the focus of the ISO standard in that word cloud I mentioned was, the most prominent word was pressure. And that's what we're trying to contain. And if we think about pressure, I think people sometimes don't appreciate just how powerful. And dangerous pressure can be, I run a mile of a balloon pops behind me and it's it's just over air pressure. It's like 14 PSI. Um, your car tire, I think, is around 50 PSI. Uh, the, the pressure coming out of your tap is around 50 PSI. A, a 2,500 PSI air rifle will shoot a bullet at 240 meters a second. So that's a kilometer in four seconds. Some of these wells are 5,000, 10,000 PSI. So working under such pressures is so, so dangerous. And a person, a human being, is not going to be able to stop that pressure. What is going to stop that pressure is the mechanical components that are designed to withhold that pressure. Uh, you know, things like your tubing and your casing and the cement and the Christmas tree. So, the question is then how do we manage that pressure and ensure that all of those components function when they need to? Uh, and we do that through managing annulus pressures, understanding operating limits. You know, making sure the components have been qualified to function at that pressure, ensuring that they're monitored. Because, of course, throughout the life of the well, like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we need to make sure that they still will hold that pressure when they need to. And then if they don't, how do we manage the change? How do we manage anomalies? What is the risk? You know, how do we risk assess that and so on? So, you know, it's, it is all about having a structured framework to manage well integrity throughout the life cycle of the well.
0: You said one of the magic words in oil and gas production just now, which is risk. I'm going to ask you to go back to defining things again. Tell us a little bit more about this in a well-integrity perspective.
1: Well, the definition of risk, as you know, is the the probability of an event happening multiplied by the consequences of that event happening. But again, let's just use an example of that. If you're driving along in your car and let's say the, the engine light comes up yellow on your dashboard, how risky is that? And, and then let's say your, your oil warning comes up as, as red. So now you've got an engine and an oil light come up. Well, how risky is that for you? And then your, your petrol light comes up. And different people will have different perceptions of risk based upon your experiences, your knowledge, and your understanding of how the engine and the car works. And uh, different people will have different answers if you think about a well and a well integrity situation again i'll use an example for that let's say you have a well that was drilled 70 years ago there's a hole in the tubing we've got tubing to annulus communication and we observe that because the tubing and the casing pressure are are the same it's a land well and there's groundwater seeping in through the formation and in behind the production casing into the b annulus and causing a corrosive environment what does that do to the risk and actually this well is next to a town with thousands of people living there. What does that do to the risk? And actually, that surface casing where the groundwater is seeping in is, is, is set in a, a very shallow and, and weak formation, You know, which could break down if it saw the pressure. So what does that do to the risk? And this is where we have the problem, because if, if I asked everybody listening to this podcast, how risky is that? Different people will have different answers based upon your experiences, your understanding, your perception, and so on. And when it comes to something as important as well integrity, that's just something we can't have. What we need is for everybody to work through a systematic and an objective way of evaluating and understanding that risk. But that's the important thing. for, For risk assessments, it's about taking away the subjectivity and doing it objectively and consistently.
0: So how would you go about doing that in a systematic and objective way?
1: As I mentioned, the definition of risk is the probability of the failure occurring multiplied by the consequence. And there's there's different ways to do this. There's like um, bow tie analysis, fault tree analysis, failure mode effect and criticality analysis, or, or FIMICA. I find FIMICA analysis is particularly useful in terms of well integrity, because sometimes people only look at the mechanical failures if this component fails or that component fails. But we really need to think about what the consequences are, the what-if scenarios. So if you if you take the previous example, what if my tubing is leaking? OK, then my production casing has become the barrier. OK, my production casing is 70 years old, and it's got corrosion on the backside. Well, what if, it, what if it leaks and I get pressure into the formation? Will the formation contain the pressure? And if it doesn't, what happens if I have a leak to atmosphere? And so a femica approach allows a very systematic way to look at each and every component making up the barrier envelope, you know, each one of those barrier elements, look at all of the different failure modes that could apply to that component, look at the consequences, and then through that assessment, you're then able to rank the well and and almost get a score. It allows you to ask the question, how risky is that well? And the beauty of that is you can then start comparing one well to another well to another well and understanding the wells in terms of their riskiness. And then that enables you to then look at the, the most risky wells first, and you can prioritize them and you can fix those first.
0: Right, that's a good definition. If we could roll back to layman terms again, do you have an analogy that would work?
1: Okay, so don't know if you noticed that McDonald's changed their milkshake straws from plastic straws to cardboard straws. I mean, I, I love a McDonald's milkshake. It's one of my guilty pleasures. But sometimes you'll find it's, it's a bit of a challenge to suck the milkshake out of the cup through the straw. And, and you know, the, the straw will, will, will collapse and it's extremely difficult to suck the milkshake out. And actually, when the straw collapses, that's about annulus management. And we could actually have a huge discussion around uh, maximum allowable annulus surface pressures, which is another really important thing. But that's maybe another podcast. Anyway, just imagine your drinking straw is your, is your tubing and your milkshake is your hydrocarbons and you're sucking it out of the well. In the example that I just gave, imagine that drinking straw had a, had a hole in it. You know, you, you wouldn't be able to to drink your milkshake and then imagine that your cup also over time, In the example, it was a 70 year old well, and over time, you know, the, the, the cardboard in the cup starts deteriorating as well. And if you leave it too long, you leave. Milkshake all over the place, um, and that's where both your barriers have been breached. So the best analogy in layman's terms I can I can think of is to think of a McDonald's milkshake and yeah, milkshake leaking all over the floor.
0: Yeah, the floor is uh, is never the best place for for milkshake. Simon, it would be remiss of me if I didn't ask, seeing as the name of this podcast is Living Digital, what the digital realm has actually given to the practice of well integrity, what our information age and the tools of the information age have done for something which has been critical for as long as wells have been drilled
1: that's a huge topic and digital is massive um you know and especially in terms of well integrity and we've got some really cool technologies out there and uh you know things like internet of things, life sensor data, digital twins, virtual reality, augmented reality, data analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning. There's there's so many applications of these technologies that, that, that can be used in well integrity. And I was actually at a conference, a well integrity conference once and and somebody asked me if there was a machine learning solution to well integrity. But you've really got to think about what is the problem you're trying to resolve before you can apply machine learning to it. You know, are you gonna predict corrosion or are you trying to understand cement quality or do you want to predict a component failing? So firstly, you need to know what the problem is you're trying to solve, and then you need the data. And with the age of some of these wells and with asset acquisition and divestment and so on, it's not always easy to get good quality data to allow you to, to do these kind of analysis. As engineers, we want to do engineering. You know we didn't go to university for four or five years studying to spend all of our time data mining and reading through hundreds and hundreds of pages of end, end of well reports
0: and so much of it is on paper
1: yeah i just remember i, I was asked to do some engineering calculations a, a while back you know i needed the data for for the well that i was doing the calculations on and i had information from end of well reports and this is all paper-based tim so end of well reports uh, well handover documentation the the latest uh, pressure testing, uh, completion reports. You know, I, had, I had three different sources. And if I drew that well out on paper, it would have looked like three completely different wells. So one, I've got ambiguity and confusion about the data. And number two, it took me about three or four days to distill all of that paper-based information and try and get it onto one page to allow me to do what was actually just a two or three hour engineering calculation. So it's it's so time-consuming and so draining having to do this. And actually, unless you consolidate that and get it into a database system, you know, sometime down the line, sometime in the future, some other poor engineer is going to have to go through exactly the same process to determine that information. It's so, so inefficient. And, And actually, you know, one of the other biggest problems I see is spreadsheet management. The challenge with spreadsheets is the accuracy and the errors. You know, some of these legacy spreadsheets, Errors just creep in over time and the formulas change or, and so on. And then also we have version control issues. You know, where is the latest version of that spreadsheet? Uh, who, who has it? And then also trying to take the data from spreadsheets and consolidate it and try and do any sort of meaningful analysis on it. It just needs so much copying and pasting. And again, that's where errors are going to creep in and it's time. And it's just, come on. As soon as you get that data into a database, which is a single source of truth, then it's available to the entire organisation, and then you can start doing something proactive with the data.
0: Yeah, but one of my good friends is a statistician, and whenever he talks about legacy spreadsheets, he always talks about legacy errors as well, and things that end up then getting baked into the way that people have been doing things, possibly for years without even realizing.
1: How do you then challenge that if you, you know if that error has, like you say, become baked in? Then that just becomes you know that we're doing things wrong. Oh yeah. But, and also, I mean, I understand some, some organizations are just like, oh, where do I start? You know, if they've got hundreds or thousands of wells, where do I start? But it's like cleaning your house. You know, it can be a big job, but just clean one room at a time or do the hoovering or clean the dishes. Just start because procrastination is just delaying the inevitable. You know, it doesn't go away. Like, just start to do something in the future when you need that data to work on the well. You have a starting point. And actually, you know, if you have that data in a single source of truth, the data will evolve. And as you get more information or as things change, because remember, you're going through a life cycle. here. You're drilling the well. You're well testing. You're completing it. You're producing from it. You're doing interventions and workovers and then ultimately late life and abandonment. It's a life cycle. And you want that data to evolve and grow. So when it comes to plug and abandonment and decommissioning, you have all of the information so that you can do that efficiently and effectively and safely
0: which becomes all the more important in a world where exploration is winding up and we're moving towards that energy transition as well doing all of this safely
1: and actually just one other point that while i think on it as well as at least when the data is in a database you've then got the potential to do some analytics and you can start making informed and proactive decisions so for example if if i have all my well integrity data Across my entire organization, I can understand if one field is doing better than another field. One asset is performing better than another asset. You know, how is one country performing in terms of well integrity against another country? You can really start understanding what the data is telling you. And then you can start saying, ah, okay, we're having a lot of failures in in this field. Why is that failing? Is it because of the equipment that's there? Is it because of the maintenance schedules? Is it because of the, you know, maybe the maintenance crews doing the work? At least if you can see your data you can understand it and then be proactive about it as well and then if you have that data and as it evolves and as it's enriched then you get things like uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning opportunities where you can start predicting the failures before they happen or, or even getting into prescriptive analytics where the computer's telling you what to do to avoid the failure in the first place but you know you can't do any of that unless you have the data. And the last thing I want to say on this, and this is really important, that by getting the data into a central place, it helps organisations to communicate in a consistent manner and to collaborate, and allows incidents to happen without escalating into accidents.
0: So I guess Simon, to tie all of this up, we have a solution, as Schlumberger, which deals with everything that you've just spoken about. Could you give us a little bit about Well Barrier itself?
1: yeah very quickly well Barrier is a is a well integrity lifecycle solution and as you might have gathered from what we've been talking about it is founded on the barrier schematic and this allows all stakeholders to have a clear and common understanding of risk throughout the well life cycle so the company was actually founded about 15 years ago and since then the user community which is over 30 operators now have used the software to create over 80,000 well-barrier schematics. If you think about trying to create these barrier schematics using traditional methods like Excel or Visio, you know, I think on average, it would take maybe an engineer, I don't know, four hours, maybe even more to create an illustration using traditional methods that would have taken, you know, four times 80,000 is 320,000 hours for engineers to prepare. And then if you work on an eight hour day it works out. That's around 200 work years it would have taken to prepare 80,000 schematics using traditional methods. So with Well Barrier, it started off as an illustration tool to be able to produce these schematics you know, really quickly, really intuitively, uh, in a very user-friendly manner. And you can build these schematics in about 15 minutes so you know for engineers to create the eighty thousand schematics each one taking 15 minutes would only have taken about 10 years so we've saved 190 years in effort compared to the 200 years it would have taken in traditional methods it's a wonderful communication and collaboration tool and it also provides the foundation then for our two products that we have so we have one called well barrier planning this is used to help support decision making during planning operations and safeguarding the execution of well activities. So whenever you've got a rig and a people and crew at the well site, then we can use well-barrier planning to help plan the successful implementation of of those operations. And we also have the well-barrier integrity management product, which is very closely related to everything that we've just been talking about. And it provides a very structured framework to proactively manage well integrity. And the important thing to say there is that, you know, we talked about pressure, annulus management, risk, barriers, anomaly management, you know all of the things and the elements that you see in the well integrity standards are very closely aligned with what we offer in the well barrier integrity management product.
0: Simon, I can't thank you enough for coming and talking to us about this today. And thank you specifically for putting things in those layman's terms. We're in an audio environment, we don't have pictures and images to, to rely upon, but I think you you depicted it really nicely for us. So so thanks very much for that.
1: No and also thank you for the opportunity. I you know, I'm I'm passionate about software development. I'm passionate about well integrity and, and I'm also very passionate about the future of our planet and our environment. So thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: So once again, Simon, thank you very much for your time today. And if you'd like to find out more about Well Barrier, you can go to www.software.slb.com forward slash products forward slash Wellbarrier. And if you'd like to listen to some of our previous podcasts, you can go to www.software.slb.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks very much for listening.